Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Very Full Plate. Amy, how are you doing this morning? Mm, I'm good. How about you? I'm actually doing well. Things are turning up for us, and I feel kind of a little bit more on it than I've been in the last few months, so I... Thanks for asking. I love it. That's all we can hope for. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone, if you haven't listened to our latest episode, go back to episode 18 to hear about our monthly themes that we're going to be working on from here on out. Um, This is August. So our month theme is picky eating. And we're amped up about this topic because we have great expert interview, a lot of personal experience, utilizing a lot of the advice that we got. And we're going to end the month with some actionable tips for adjusting picky eating that's happening in your household. Um, But before we get back, uh, get into specifics about, you know, how to deal with picky eating, we want to first post some questions and maybe get some parameters defined around picky eating, which Amy has done some awesome research and she has her own life experience. So Amy, I'd love for you to chime in really quickly and talk a little bit about what exactly is picky eating. Yeah, this came up because I have so many parents who come to me and say like, I'm trying to feed my family well, but my kid is a picky eater. And I want to start this episode by just saying like, if you feel like your kid is a picky eater, you are not alone. I feel like I have a picky eater. Emily, do you have any picky eaters in your family? I have, I have two kiddos that can be picky or particular at different times. Yes. Yeah. So you're not alone if you feel like picky eating is happening in your household. In fact, one in three parents identify their kids as picky around food. And what I love about this is it means that we are more alike than we are different when it comes to our kids being particular and that it's not something to be nervous about. So something you're going to hear a lot about this month is just like, letting go of your attachment to the way that your kids eat and how important that is in actually getting them to eat better. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I also think that to some degree we have to, as parents with everything, something I'm slowly learning is we have to detach a little bit that our kids, every single behavior they have is a reflection of us or us failing or us in any way. And in many ways they are their own person. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so one of the important things that I want to start out this conversation around is just to say that like kids have a habit of picky eating. They are not picky eaters. And I know I've already said picky eaters like several times on this podcast. So I think it's interesting to think about how much we label our kids with their behavior rather than labeling the behavior. And just that act alone 
has really opened my eyes to the idea that like my kid is not this. They are behaving this way right now. And that means that we get to adjust and shift together and practice that habit, just like we practice saying please and thank you and picking up your toys and doing all of the other things. And I think that like just the fact alone that we call kids picky eaters so often is a sign of how attached we are to that label. Yes. And how we almost define our children with it. Like anything in life, if your child is exhibiting a certain behavior, we name the behavior. We don't name the child after the behavior. Um, And we can also box ourselves in. And if you say in front of them, oh, they're a picky eater, then that child just defined him him or herself that way. So you got to escape that sort of labeling in the sense of uh, taking ownership of that and being like, this is just who I am for life rather than this is what's happening right now in this moment. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I feel like there's a lot that parents could learn from that. (laughs) Parents, if you're calling yourself something and you've convinced yourself you're that, yes, maybe it's time to rethink. But here's the interesting thing, Emily, that is I was digging in and I was like, all right, I want to find out what picky eating really is because then parents can listen and they can be like, yes, my kid is it like exhibits picky eating habits or they don't. But here's the thing. There's actually no definition. Mm. So all picky eating means in like the general medical community and even in the feeding community is that they have some sort of feeding difficulty and they are unwilling to eat familiar foods or try new foods and they have strong food preferences. So it's no wonder that one in three of us say that our kids have picky eating habits because like what kid doesn't, and by the way, what adult doesn't have some sort of feeling about food? I know it's almost like we're not allowing our children to have opinions about food at this stage. Yes. Like, okay. So they, they might be nervous about trying new things. They um, might not like some of the things that they've tried. And I think for me, the real kicker and probably what it opened my eyes to is that my kid doesn't have that many picky eating habits is that there's some sort of emotional response to trying new foods or foods that they don't like. Yeah, like there's several variables going on. Something to do with the relationship of the food in front of their plate, in their spot, on that day. You know, what's going on? The, we'll have to get into that. But yeah, um, I get what yeah. you're saying. And, and I just want to share one thing. I, I read this book called Helping Your Child with Extreme Picky Eating. So this is like the most extreme of the picky eating. And there was this sentence that really stood out to me and I wanted to share it with you guys because I think that it will resonate with you. And also I wanted to share this resource because I think if you are a parent who is struggling to understand, is my child exhibiting extreme picky eating behaviors? This is an excellent book to get started and find out like, do I need more professional help in this space? Because it does exist and it's extremely valuable. And so what they say is uh, we define extreme picky eating and it's labeled EPE as not eating enough quantity or variety to support healthy emotional, physical, or social development, or eating patterns that are a significant source of conflict or worry. Yeah, that's a really powerful statement in my opinion. Um, Yeah, and it's like, it's related to what they'll eat, but it's also related to how they react to it. Yeah, right. And And it's pointing out that the problem arises when you can't support their health. Exactly. Because of their, um, you know, because of their reaction to food. 
Right. So it's not even like my kid doesn't like meat, which is something I hear commonly mm-hmm. or like my kid only likes three foods and they are not developing well mm-hmm. because of this habit. Yeah. And I think that changes the conversation a little bit, but good news, even if your child doesn't fall into this category, which I hope that we don't have too many people who are dealing with extreme picky eating, because I am sure that that can be such a huge stressor as parents. Even if they don't, the tips that we're sharing this month around picky eating will still apply to you because I think there are so many tools that we can add to our toolkits as parents in how we approach mealtimes and how we get our kids to develop a palate that includes the healthy things that we would like it to include. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's broader than just picky eating. It's like, we could even call this month like expanding your child's palate month or like expanding your partner's palate month, maybe. Maybe there's tips that it can even help piggy partners because I hear about that often too. Yeah. And you know what's funny is as a listener of podcasts who has an interest in healthy eating, for me, what I love about the information we get from our interview is that it's not like, oh, make your pancakes a smiley face. Like these kind of gimmicky t- tips that may have value for an occasional day, but that doesn't get to the root of what's happening as a child develops. Instead, that's just like fun little tips that, you know, people do not usually have time or patience for. And if it fails, you get like all discouraged. This is a real psychological concept that will, that could change your, your child's relationship with food and your family's feeding time. And so that's what I love about this information that we expel. And, um, it just stands out to me as like so important. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anywho. Um, yeah. So this is how we basically define picky eating. Um, in your research, have you discovered, you know, specifics about why kids are quote unquote picky or defined as picky? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. There's no one reason that kids, have picky eating habits? And that's the answer. So it's not because they were born via C-section or they didn't, weren't breastfed or they, or they ate fruit before they ate vegetables or, right. you know, because genetically they were predisposed to it. So there's no one answer for why picky eating exhibits itself. And in some ways, I hope that that helps parents release any guilt that they might feel around the habits that drive them crazy with their kids eating. Yeah, because guilt isn't going to help us anyway, even if we could figure out the why, we probably couldn't figure out the why. Totally. And you know, we are complex creatures. Why don't you like certain things? Right. Could be from a previous life that you had. Right. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, So some children are more naturally sensitive to taste and smell Mm -hmm. and texture, and they have stronger feelings about food. That's just the truth. And sometimes it is that they have a parent who has picky eating habits and that maybe that rubs off on the kids, right? Like they hear the conversation kind of like what you were saying when kids get labeled is they might also be hearing foods labeled in certain ways. And then they're like, spinach, yuck. Right. Right. They've heard that and now they're modeling it. So it could be that. Um, Also, and this is a big one, is that 
it could have to do with the natural power struggle between kids and parents. And that power struggle looks like when kids are bribed, and this is something that our expert Natalia Stosenko from Feeding Bites, she talks a lot about in our interview that's going to come out next week. But when they are told you have to eat your broccoli to get dessert, then broccoli becomes bad food that needs a reward, good food, dessert in this case, in order to be eaten. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pause there because I think that that's a really important one. And it's, it's like, what habits are we creating unintentionally through our actions? And listen, I can own this. Like, I've done this too. Me too. Because we are trying to do the right thing as parents, and we are emotionally attached to getting our kids to eat vegetables in most cases. And we almost demonize vegetables through our actions by saying, like, that is bad. You need something good to want to eat it. Yeah, and we put the dessert on a pedestal like this is this is the go-to you know this is what your goal is yeah and food battles are real right like I've had them we sit at the dinner table and we argue about a certain food and a four-year-old in my case a four-year-old's role in their development is to push back on their parents and see where the line is right Mm -hmm. and I can fully recognize that my own actions in creating food battles have maybe like made him resistant to things that he wouldn't otherwise be resistant to. My, like, my food stuff is always coming from a good place. I feel like I have my head on straight about that. And I know that there are other parents listening who will feel this way too. But that doesn't mean that my actions from like a parenting and a kid's development perspective aren't furthering his feelings about this like leafy thing that's hard to eat. Right. No, I agree. And I um it's so easy to pull that card when you're just trying to get them to eat their meal while they're sitting still. Like, would you just eat X amount of bites or you're not getting dessert? Right. It's, and it's such a theme. I feel like it's generationally a theme. How many people have raised their children this way? You know what I mean? And thinking that there's no big deal about it. Um, Yes. And Natalia, our expert next week, she does talk a little bit about this like one bite rule and she has a certain practice around it that I think folks are really going to identify with and like it will bring a lot home so there are answers coming just Mm -hmm. not right (laughs) Um, but stay tuned (laughs) but I I think this is a good one is UCSF says the goal for feeding a picky eater should be to try new foods and to keep food from starting a battle Mm -hmm. yep and that keep food from starting a battle piece feels like an important add-on to the try new food. So if you walk away with nothing else from this episode, the goal for feeding a PKE eater should be to try new foods and to keep food from starting a battle. And the more you expose your kids to different foods, potentially the more likely they are to not be as picky about the foods that they will eat. Correct. So even if your kids don't eat broccoli now, that doesn't mean you stop serving broccoli. That means you keep serving broccoli and you keep putting it on their plate. And Natalia is going to talk more about this in like the exact structure of what it looks like to keep doing mm-hmm. that. But I don't want you to walk away thinking like, okay, I'm not going to feed them things they don't like anymore. Like that is not the message That's here. The, it's still yeah. your role to feed healthy food. It's just also not your role to fight about healthy food. Correct. And I will, and I will add that the advice we get will probably feel like a relief. Yes. For many, for many parents. Yes. This is not another project on your list. This is, yeah, this is not another 
to-do list of the things you should be doing. You should feel guilty about it because you're not doing it today. (laughs) Well, and you know, this is one of the interesting things for me and here's like getting really honest. So I'm super into respectful parenting and Janet Lansbury. And if people haven't been introduced to her, she's super cool. She has this podcast called unruffled that I love. And it's like bite-sized pieces of how to deal with your kids. And she talks some about food Hmm. battles as well. But in so much of what I try to do as a parent, I really try to trust that like my kids have knowledge as their own tiny human beings that I am recognizing and guiding them with, right? Mm -hmm. They know that they don't feel well and they don't want to do something or that they are pushing boundaries because that's what they're meant to do. And my role is to set boundaries, right? Like these are some of the things that I've gotten out of her work. Yep. And yet it is really hard when it comes to food to trust our kids because as parents and especially as moms, those of you moms listening, it is hardwired in us to nourish our families. Like nourishing our families is a really emotional thing. And so if we feel like we're not nourishing our kids because they're not eating food that we deem good, it incites this emotional response in us that for me makes it really hard to take that like, respectful parenting, logical view of the situation, step away from it and say like, okay, this is happening for other reasons. It's not that like you are failing as a parent to nourish your kids and raise healthy human beings. Agreed. Yeah. And taking that 10,000 foot view at a time where it feels kind of harried and what, you know, how did this escalate like this? (laughs) Be like, wait, what's happening right now? Everybody needs a minute to be, you know, to ground ourselves and be like, all right, this is what's happening right now. And then giving me, I think having the tools that we got from our interview and that we are getting from other variables and other resources help us, you know, knowledge is power, you know, help us recognize the pattern that's happening and decide what is our next step. What is, what is worth my battle? What isn't, I'm the parent here. And then what does that mean? Does it necessarily mean, no, you force your kid to do something they don't want to do? No the parent knows the next step that's healthiest for the child based on the child's reaction, you know? Yes. But and we don't know it unless framework. we have Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's something that Natalia really covers is how to set that framework, not to use this as a teaser for that episode, but there's so much content there. Uh, yeah. I was really thrilled with the episode. <laughs> really, like, We set the framework and you can't for there's a reason that there's a saying like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. That's the saying, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. You can't force a kid to eat. And it's like, how many of us have, I, I've done it where I'm like, just eat this thing. I will give you anything in the whole world. And that's where that like emotional piece comes in, right? Like it's easy to look at how ridiculous it is when it's someone else, which is why I'm being so honest about it. Or when you step away from it. And that's what we're going to dive into more this month is not so much how to solve picky eating in your child, but what to do as a parent when you're facing picky eating habits to regain control and feel like you're doing your part. And in many ways, regaining that control is what your, your kids are looking for, not to be demanded, but for someone to be composed and feel confident that they know what they're doing and to set that boundary for them so that they know yes. where they where they stand. 
you know? Yes. And that's exactly what it's so funny. This comes back to the respectful parenting thing is that's the huge thing that Janet Lansbury always talks about is like, you need to be like the calm in control leader who is setting boundaries and telling your kids what's what, but also letting them exist in a world where they have some level of control within reason. Right. Yeah. Right. And so much of that applies to food. So yeah. we don't need to dig into it. Yeah. Morning, but I'm so yeah, excited for people to get more tools throughout the month. If yes. This stuff around picky eating is resonating with you and sounding like something you're dealing with, with your kids. Yep. And I think, you know, we just touched a lot on like, how do we know if our kid is picky or just being a kid, we talked a lot about, you know, pushing the boundaries and sort of normal developmental stages. I do think it's important for us to call out that um, there are normal there are normal stages of a child's life based on their age and their independence where food is a catalyst for them to communicate to you something, you know, Um, like we talked a lot about control, but also, you know, are they having a growth spurt? Are they not having a growth spurt? Are they slowing their growth? So there's a lot of intuitive, there's a lot of discussion about intuitive eating for children and getting them to be, aware of what's going on with their body in any given day and, yeah, and so trusting that you know we see habits like oh my kid doesn't want to be fed by a spoon anymore when they're like you know 10 months to a year and think like oh my kid doesn't really want to eat no what your kid wants is to be in control of their food because they're getting to the point where they have awareness that they have some control in the world and they want to feed themselves right mm-hmm. and we are in this model of like, I'm going to keep scooping purees and feeding it to my baby mm-hmm. um, on a spoon. And it might just be as simple as like, they want control and they want to feed themselves. Right. 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 Exactly. Or when they get to one plus, there's like a natural stage of choosy eating where they stop eating everything you put in front of them. You know, like I totally had this feeling with my first, like, oh, he's such a great eater. He eats everything. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. And then it naturally changes. And that's not you, and that's not a habit you've created, and it's not even them. It's just they suddenly realize they don't have to eat everything, and they have opinions. And they exactly. Want to and isn't like, it funny how amazing. we? Uh, yeah, and I think it's funny how I think that's a direct reflection of how much pressure we put on ourselves to be responsible for our children's behavior. Um, it doesn't mean like, oh, your kids can run around, run amok the yard and be disrespectful to neighbors. I'm not saying that like setting boundaries for your kids is not important, but I'm saying that everything your child does is not innately good or innately bad. It simply is a growing experience and they're looking for you as guidance, but they, you know, it's not, not everything they do is a reflection of us. Like I just said before. And I think that's a huge part of the food battle is it's not, it's not like, Oh, my kids stopped eating. Now they're like, what a bad kid, or they're just a picky kid, or you're just trying to, it's almost like as adults, we're trying to make sense of something when we aren't just letting it be what it is, which is a natural developmental process and working with that, you know? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And if you are interested in reading more about what that natural developmental process is and how you can support them at different stages, another book that I uh, went through was Raising a Healthy, Happy Eater, a Parent's Handbook. And you can find it on Amazon. Um, it's super cool because it like goes through each stage of a kid's life and talks about their physical development, how you can support like gross motor skill development that ties into eating, and then how you can use food to tie into those things and how it might affect their feeding. So mm-hmm. if you are like struggling through this and feeling like, I really love more information 
around what my kid is going through and how I can support them. I thought that was a really actionable book for folks who want. Yeah. And I will share the links to both those books, the extreme picky eating book, and then this raising happy, healthy eater um, as links in our show notes. So folks can find that if they're just like craving more information. That sounds perfect. I think even if you just had maybe your first baby or thinking, or you're pregnant and you want to be sort of really ahead of the curve of understanding that process, that's a great book to pick up. There's a lot of great resources that will comfort you in the process and give you the confidence you need to feel like this. I feel good about my choices as I'm feeding my children and the way that I let them lead. Yes. And that one would be awesome if you were just having kids, because I think it really like shapes how you look each step of the way. And I sort of wish that I had had it when my kids were younger so that I could like read the chapter we were on then and know it and then read the next chapter Mm -hmm. when they were at the next step. You know, it feels like something you would read each step of the way rather than necessarily like read the whole thing at once. Yeah. One thing I do just want to note while we're on this topic though, is like there is such thing as there's a whole book about it, but there is such thing as extreme picky eating. There's also a lot of things that tie into eating everything from like tongue ties to sensory processing Mm -hmm. um, and other things that like kids are dealing with that can affect their eating. If you suspect it's larger than just something that's happening at a certain stage or not having developed the right habits or engaging in food battles, there is help out there. And I would suggest that you seek someone who can help you understand whether you need that help or not. Yeah. And I would even suggest maybe listening to episode 15 about with Mary Tate, who is a health coach regarding sensory and OCD and ODD and um, all of that and how she sought out the resources at a a time when there wasn't as many resources and just, she might be a great resource herself to reach out to. Um, So I would check out episode 15 if you think it might be something more going on. Yeah. Um, because she talked a lot about when the child was young and everyone just said, Oh, they're just picky or they're just having digestive issues. And she's like, Nope, there's something else, you know, yeah. not, it was intuitive of her to recognize that. And I also think, you know, okay, so maybe you're not just having a baby. Maybe your kids are a little bit, little bit older. Children are so much more impressionable than we ever give them credit for. So do not give up. Do not say it's too late just because they've been doing something for so long. It does not mean they cannot change. I mean, in extreme cases, let's say you dropped everything they ate today and started fresh, they change so much faster than us as adults. And we, I think we fear the change more than how bad it is. Yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of moms post, like, I have to change my kid's diet all of a sudden. They've been eating yogurt their whole life. And this is a little bit off because maybe it's not because they're picky. Maybe there's something else going on. But I just want to remind folks, like, it's never too late to help reestablish a good relationship with food for your kids. Never. If anything, the sooner the better. And if you can just ride out that beginning stage, the kids' intuitive eating will come, it will come into play, you know. And that's something I've just seen from talking to experts, my own life, friends of kids who, you know, you never thought would change. It's possible, always possible. You know, it's so funny. You're reminding me of when we talked to my friend, Giuseppe, I think it was episode three, like one of our very first episodes. And she was saying how she was cutting milk out of her kid's diet. And she had like readied herself for battle and put on her armor and like gone so ready. And her kids were just like, oh yeah, it is kind of weird that we drink milk from another animal and like moved on with their life. And so I think that's just like a perfect example of how resilient and how intuitive kids really are. Um, yeah, we, we don't give them enough credit on a regular totally. basis. 
That's maybe the theme of this month. That said, um, if folks are looking for more information from experts and they want to know, like, is this something to address? Two of my favorite uh experts who engage in things like feeding therapy and pediatric dietitians are Natalia Stasenko from Feeding Bites. And I'll include a link to her site if you're just like eager for more already and don't want to wait for the episode next week. Um, She would be a great person to engage with if you're feeling like you need added support. And then another person, Melanie Potok, who I'm hoping to have on the podcast in the future. She is a speech therapist, but works on like feeding therapy. And she was one of the authors of that other book that I mentioned, the raising healthy, happy eaters, and is all about kind of like the physical dynamics of feeding. And I think that's really interesting, especially for parents who have dealt with something like a tongue tie yeah. in the past and suspect that it might be affecting the way that your kids are eating now. Cause that's a real thing too, right? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm psyched that you have those resources for everybody. All right. So that being said, um, I think we've gone over sort of defining it, explaining the the varying um, picky eating. um, I should say just variations of picky eating. I cannot wait for everyone to listen to our interview. So what can you do about it? You can listen in next week (laughs) uh, with Natalia Sisenko from Feeding Bites. Um, She is a pediatric dietitian and a mom of three. Um, I think you're going to find some amazing tips. Um, and just if you embrace it, I think it's a whole new way of putting, you know, putting, how do I say this? It's a whole new way or approach to feeding your family that could really alleviate much of the pressure. And you may find that your kids surprise you. And that will bring us to the next week, which I'm so excited about because Emily was really inspired by that conversation, which I think speaks to like how awesome that interview was. Not to oversell it because we totally Yeah, are. I know. I know. We totally are. I don't know that we can, but it feels it's like okay. we're trying to sell it. We don't. <laughs> um, but Emily and her husband, Matt, have put some of those techniques into play. And I'm super excited to interview them. What would it be? The week of August 20th? their interview will be going live and they're going to talk about how implementing this division of responsibility and feeding affected their family and some of the results that they saw. So that's our real family interview. Yep. I'm very excited to, to get to dive into that and share our experience. Going to be awesome. Yeah. And then the final week of the month, we'll be sharing our best tips for addressing picky eating in a respectful way. So that's going to be the summary of all of this and just like some really actionable things that folks can do. Yeah. And I think, I think to myself, well, many of us are on vacation this month in August and many of us are sort of in vacation mode of eating, but it is a great time to catch up on this podcast as you're meeting into the school year to figure out, you know, how are we going to approach it? in that perspective and how might I be able to alleviate maybe that routine and the the feeding part. So we really hope you get the value that we got out of it. And we are looking forward to um, putting out our episode next week with Natalia. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening.